are looking at the first eight verses of chapter 8 of 2 Corinthians, and we are kind of off on a um, sidetrack looking at what does the Bible teach on tithing? Uh, A lot of Christians today, if you ask them, uh, what should a Christian give? Uh, the majority will say a tithe. And some of them become extraordinarily spiritual and they'll smile at you and say a minimum of the tithe. And, uh, I, okay. Uh, and I have heard uh, uh, very solid biblical expositors explain that Anything less than the tithe is stealing. And uh, we'll see what the Bible has to say. And we'll press on from that, okay? Let's pray and then we'll read the first eight verses of chapter 8. Father, we come before you as we sing the deep love of Jesus. And uh, did you bleed on our behalf and the fact that you paid it all. Father, I pray as we look at the wonderful saints of Macedonia and the precious saints of Corinth, that, Father, we understand our responsibility. And, Father, I pray that even now you work on our hearts, each of us individually and each of us collectively. And, Father, we may understand that we are but pilgrims. We are but temporarily passing through. And our homes are where moth and rust and thief cannot touch. Let that be our focus. Let that be our passion. Father, let us rejoice. Help us, Lord. Help us with the heart work that is before us. To your love. To you. Thank you. In Christ's name, amen. Chapter 8, verse 1. Now, brethren, we wish to make known to you the grace of God, which has been given in the churches of Macedonia, that in a great deal of affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord, begging us, with much urging for the favor of participation in the support of the saints. And this, not that we had expected, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. So we urge Titus that as he had previously made a beginning, so he would also complete in you this gracious work as well. But just as you abound in everything, in faith, in utterance, in knowledge, and in all earnestness and in love inspired in you, see that you abound in this gracious work also. I'm not speaking this as a command, but as proving through the earnestness of others the sincerity of your love also. We've gone through seven things that we can see that is a biblical view of giving. It's in the first three verses. We've looked at it in depth. And um, I have been over the last couple of weeks, been led and was kind of pushing to 
what is the church supposed to do? What are we as individuals supposed to do? How are we to give to what amount, what percentage are, are we to do? And last week, uh, I looked at before Moses, which is very simple because that's just the book of Genesis. All right. How did we come up with this tithe? And I showed you uh, in the book of Genesis that the tithe um, was not a standard. It was given voluntarily by Abraham, Jacob. Uh, we don't know what was given by Noah. We don't know what was given the actual amount, but they had free will offerings. And the only time that you've seen a required giving was uh, when Joseph called for it in the seventh year, uh, the seven years of prosperity in Egypt to give 5%, 20%, basically a fifth, 20% of everything you have to the government so that in the seven years of famine, uh, the government can take care of everybody. So both of those uh, you, you can see and we, we've looked at. So we looked at before Moses, all right? And we, we don't see a pattern of tithe. I can only show you two tithes. And I can't show you where Abram did it more than once. I cannot show you where it was commanded. All right? It was just done. All right? The only time I can show you required giving was in Egypt. And that was because there was going to be seven years of famine and the people needed to set aside to the government, and the government would take care of it. All right, so now today I want to move in from Moses to Jesus. All right, what are we supposed to give? How is the church affected in this? So this is a little more in-depth because <laughs> there's a few more books between Exodus and Revelations. So let's go start off with Leviticus 27. Leviticus 27, verse 30 says, Thus all the tithe of the land, of the seed of the land, or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's, and it is holy to the Lord. Okay? This is taught by rabbinical teaching as the Levitical tithe. All right. And it is holy unto the Lord. You really need to note that. And if you go in, if you really want to get into it, I started into it. I actually tore it all apart. But I thought, you know, there's too much minutia here. Uh, if you want to go into Numbers 18, you can see how you can um, barter out. Give money instead of grain and seed. Uh, you cannot barter out of animals. You give a tenth. Um, and if you look at it, it is required. Why? Whose is it? The Lord's. This is to the Lord. How much? A tenth. Of what? Everything. Everything. Do it um, by giving it to the Levites. Okay, the Levites are one of the 12 tribes. But the Levites are kind of particular. They didn't get anything. All the other tribes got land and possessions. 
and were placed where God wanted them, but not the Levites. They were the priest. They operated the temple. They were the leaders of the nation. Um, I, I heard a guy describe it one time. They were God's vice presidents. All right, and I thought, well, that's an interesting concept because I have my view of vice presidents and heaven forbid. <laughs> All right. And you were to give a tenth to support them. That's why you could, I could give, let's say, uh, I, I raised wheat. Let's say my, instead of giving wheat, I could give you money to offset that. That's what Numbers 18 deals with. Okay. But I couldn't do it if I was raising goats. Still had to give a tenth. Why? Somebody's got to feed the priest. Okay. Now priests were enjoyed. They, they loved the priest. All right. Here's the reason. A priest would take man to God. Okay. He was the intercessory. Okay. They didn't like prophets. Okay. Because prophets were God to man. And that usually wasn't that much fun. Okay, it usually meant if God sent a prophet, that meant somebody's messed up and it wouldn't be God. All right. So priests were enjoyed because you could go to your priest and he would be there for you to God. So to support this man, you gave a tenth. It was to supply his needs. It was the needs of the Levites. They didn't have no land. They had no territory. They didn't even have a trade. They had no jobs. They worked for the people on behalf of God. Okay. They were the government. They ran the nation. They made decisions. They made judgments. They were the counselors. They were the comforters. They were where you went and sought wise counsel. And they were to be supported. And you supported them with 10% of everything you owned. Okay? Remember what God said. 10% of all is mine. Mine. Okay. This is what we call a theocracy. Who was in control of the country? God. His representatives, the Levites, are the one who acted on behalf of God for the people. Listen, a theocracy is a nation that is run by God. A democracy is a nation run by people. All right? In a democracy... We choose our own leaders and we pay our taxes to support those leaders. In a theocracy, God chooses his leaders and we support them. At the time of Leviticus, Israel was a theocracy. It was ruled by God, but it was ruled through the plurality of the priest. Of the tribe of Levite. They were supported. So a tenth was. The Lord's. For the support of his theocracy. For the support of his kingdom. Ten percent. 
of everything. Okay, and yet there's rules on how if I instead of giving seed or or harvest or uh, grapes or olives or anything like that, I can instead of giving the olive oil or the wines or whatever it is, I could give money instead. But I could not do it with the animals. You had to still give a tenth of the produce and tenth of the animals. Why? They belong to the Lord. Um, you want to see a, 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 a little problem with this. Um, you can go to the Italian prophet, Malachi. <laughs> Some would call him Malachi. Chapter 3, verse 8. Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say... How have we robbed you in tithes and offerings? You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me. The whole nation of you is robbing me. And God meant it. Because if you look at the conclusion of Malachi, you got 400 years of silence. 400 years. And then the silence is broken by one crying in the wilderness. But 400 years. And you've got Israel goes under numerous occupations and conquerings. And God doesn't make a peep. Why? Because the people were robbing God. Okay? Why? A tent. Support the priest. Because of their religious responsibility. They have a full-time service for God on behalf of men. They had no time to make their own living. They ruled on behalf of God. Okay? So you can see that a tenth right there. It's a form of taxation. It is for the theocracy. It is for the government. All right? And Israel as a whole... Gave a tenth. Okay. It, now, I, this is what we, we argue today for a flat tax. Okay. I don't care if you're in poverty. I don't care if you're wealthy. It's a tenth. All right. Straight across the board. It's a tenth. All right. Why? Because it is for the government who is over all of the people. All right. So. Chapter 12 of Deuteronomy. Chapter 12 of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is the second law. It was given to Moses as they were preparing to enter into the promised land God had promised. When you have crossed, verse 10, when you have crossed the Jordan and you live in the land which the Lord God is giving to you to inherit. And he gives you the rest of all of your enemies around you so that you live in security. Then it shall come about that the place in which Lord or your God will choose for his name to dwell. There you shall bring all that I command you. Your burnt offerings and your sacrifices and your tithes and your contributions of your hand. And all of your choice votive offerings which you will vow to the Lord. Okay, this is a second one. This is a second tithe, and this tithe goes directly to Jerusalem. Okay, now he didn't say Jerusalem here, but you know that where his name was is where? 
Jerusalem. That's where he built his temple. Okay? It was all brought to Jerusalem. What? A tenth. A tenth of what? Everything. All right? And if you look at it and you go through it all and you dig it all out, you'll find out that it is because it is all, that tenth is for national celebrations. This would be the feast and the festivals. This would be Passover, the ceremonies, the rituals. And all have to bring a tenth of everything for those events. And you put it into the kitty. I call it a national potluck. All right. So I have a tenth. The first tenth goes to the support of the Levites. The second tenth is support of the festivals. All right. It's for the people. Now, you've got to understand when you're having these massive festivals and everybody's going to come streaming into Jerusalem, you've got to have a bunch of people there helping prepare it. They prepare all the feasts, all the breads, all of the olive oils, all of the wines, all of the table settings and all that other stuff. And they will be taken care of out of all this. So they'll have all these great feasts and festivals. And it was because God wanted Israel to be a community, to be a fellowship. That's why you look at it and all of these festivals and all of these celebrations and these remembrances and these rituals. We were all to go to Jerusalem so that you would all understand that you are one. It was for a national religious worship and they would all come to the place where God's name was named, which was Jerusalem. This was for God to help keep the people as one. So you have 10% goes to the priest. You have 10% that goes to the national festivals, the events, and the ceremonies. All right? So there you have it. 20%. Right? Not quite. Chapter 14 of Deuteronomy. Chapter 14 of Deuteronomy. Verse 28. At the end of every third year. Starting to sound like our tax code, doesn't it? At the end of every third year, you shall bring out of all the tithe of your produce. In that year and shall deposit it in the town at the gates, literally. All right, what the heck is this? Well, every third year. All right, so if you're a planner, then you would be understanding that you would give three and a third per year. So now I'm at 23 and a third. And this is for the strangers. This is for the fatherless. This is for the widows. It is called by the rabbis as the poor tithe. It's basically 3% a year. Or if you want to pay it every third year, you can do another 10%. Okay? It's similar to what you saw in Egypt, because in Egypt, you were given 20%, and it was for the nation. Okay? So I have heard people try to tell me that the Jews gave 10%. Well, right now I'm setting that. 23%. So I would say that anybody tells me that the nation of Israel gave 10% is wrong. Okay? 23% is required. It was for the funding of the government. Therefore, it is a tax. 
If you want to call it a tithe or whatever, it's still a tax. This was led by God. It was commanded by God. And it dealed with the social character of the whole nation. And it was going to keep the nation one to God. It met the needs of the destitute. It met the needs of the Levites who governed over. And it also met the needs of the the national festivals. It helped the poor. And I don't care how you cut it. It is taxation. 23%. So before Moses, you see a required taxation. When Israel was, when the Jews were in Egypt, they gave 20%. Okay. In the time of Moses, you see required, it's 23%. Why? It is going to support the institutes of God. All right. That ain't all. Please understand. Who is it that's saying do this? God said it. In Leviticus 19. (laughs) Depending on who you read, they call this a uh, tax on profits. Um, I, I don't look at it as a tax on profits. I look at it as uh, literal profit sharing. <laughs> okay. Chapter 19, verse 9 and 10. Now, when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap the very corners of your field, nor shall you gather the gleanings of your harvest, nor shall you glean your vineyard, nor shall I gather all the fallen fruit of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the needy and for the stranger. I am the Lord your God. Whatever falls, you leave. The corners of your field, you leave. Why? So the poor can gather it. So the poor can gather it. When we used to have a, a, a relatively large youth group, they would go up in the fall and they would do project gleaning. And there were a number of uh, farmers in, um, outside of uh, Longmont and on the east side of uh, uh, the interstate there. And the kids would go in and pick up um, extra produce and it would go to the food banks in denver okay um you want to see this read the book of ruth all right even in your vineyard if you drop something leave it don't cut your corners leave that for the poor all right there's still more Nehemiah chapter 10, verses 32 and 33. There was the half-shekel temple tax. It was a temple offering. Kept the temple running. Kept the maintenance on the temple. Okay? I'm not going to get into that one. But I do want to go to Exodus chapter 23. Because here's another one. Exodus 23 verses 10 and 11. 
You shall sow your land for six years and gather its yield. But on the seventh year, you shall let it rest and lie fallow so that the needy of your people may eat. And whatever they leave, the beasts of the field may eat. You are to do the same with your vineyard and your olive groves. Okay, so every seventh year, you had no income. All right. So I've got a third shekel temple tax. I got a seventh year rest. So I can look at it and say the Jewish people had a bit more than a tithe. Actually, if you really look it out, you're probably about 25 to 26% yearly. And it was required giving for a Jew for the support of the theocracy. Required. Okay? It's all before and after, and it was always for the funding of the national government. Whether before Moses or after Moses. All right? So you see that? So every one of those you see is a tithe. Third shekel, giving of my crops. Seventh year, I don't give anything. Why? It's so that the government will take care of the needy and the poor. Okay? The rest of it is for the priest. The rest of it is for the national festivals. See how that works. All right? And if you think about it, it's kind of similar to us. All right? Now then, that's required after Moses. Right. What about the voluntary? Voluntary giving from Moses to Jesus. Because I've told you, there's two kinds of giving in the Bible. Required, voluntary. Well, it's very similar to the Macedonians. It is proportionate. All right. It's based on, I always look at it this way. How has God blessed me? Then my giving should be based on what God has blessed me. All right. Some of you are more blessed in this congregation with wealth. And some of you are not. But you give proportionately. It should be generous. It should be sacrificial. I've been showing you that in the Macedonians. The key to giving in the body of Christ, okay, is the heart. It's the heart. Okay? Let me show you how it looks. Uh, One of my favorite books in all of Scripture, (laughs) Numbers. What in the world were you thinking? But anyway, Numbers <laughs> chapter 18. Have you ever read Numbers? It will put you to sleep at night. It's, it's wonderful. Numbers 18, verse 12. All the best of the fresh oil, all the best of the fresh wine, and of the grain, the first fruits of those which they give to the Lord, I will give them 
to you. All right? All the best of. Did you see that? Pay your taxes. And then what? You give the best of your produce, your first fruits, the best of your wine, the best of your oils. It's voluntary. First part, give the best. The Old Testament says give it off the top. Okay? And when you give it off the top, that means I'm giving you the best. The first of the crop. First of the crop I give to God. The first of the money I give to God. Give him the best. Give him the first. Give him off the top. Give him the first to come in. Wow, wait a minute. That's an agrarian culture at that time. What happens if a drought comes in? You know, what? I don't know what the rest of the crop... Wouldn't it really be smarter if I would take that and put it away and then I could give him out of the rest because then I wouldn't be a burden on the government in case I'm starving. Uh, no. Bad answer. There's no logic behind it and here's the reason. Um, what is your faith working on? What is your faith acting on? If you give him first, what's going to happen? Giving God what you have and believing him for what you don't have. Give God all the oil, the best of the crop and the first fruit. And God promises that he will increase your harvest. I see people in the body of Christ right now who will quote this and won't do it. And I see them wanting. Because I've watched it. I've been around long enough to say if the economy goes south, who gets shorthanded? You are God. And you realize that even when I hold back from giving to God, I seem to have less. And I said, right. Yeah, that's exactly how it works. I can show you through history how that works. God promises to increase your harvest. If I'm giving of the heart, it's voluntary. I give him the first fruits, the best, and I give it as to the Lord. I, the Lord doesn't tell me that there's a fixed amount. The Lord doesn't tell me with what frequency I should give it. If you give the first fruits off the top before you ever know how much you will even have, then who are you trusting? Trust him and he will bring in a full harvest. One of my favorite texts of scripture. Um, and I mean it. Is that a chapter three of book of Proverbs. First verse I ever memorized in my life. Five and six. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways. Acknowledge him. and He will make your path straight. Okay. First verse I ever memorized. Read on. Verse 9. Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all you produce so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. 
But you have to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. We can trust in the Lord with all of our heart, but we want to lean on our own understanding. Right? But if I honor him with my wealth, listen, there ain't nobody in this room ain't wealthy. I've traveled around. I've seen poverty. There ain't nobody in this country knows poverty. You cannot outgive God. Give and it shall be given to you. You so sparingly, you will reap sparingly. You so bountifully, you will reap bountifully. If you, if we honor the Lord with our substance, we give him first, the best off the top. You know what happens? He will supply all your needs. When we honor God first, guess who takes care of us? I watch people today. It's it's like when, when we pray, give us this day our daily bread. We don't do that. We tell him, what would you like? Whole wheat or rye? I'm buying. Look at our actions. Look at what we do. We don't give him the best. That's how to give when giving from the heart. When you're giving from the heart, you give the best. You know, I've been in church long enough. And when people get new living room furniture, <laughs> what do they do with the old? <laughs> That's the best. Do you want me to show you what happened to Israel and Malachi when they gave God the leftovers? Because you know, if you're raising sheep and you've got a maimed sheep, it, if I breed it, I could end up with more maimed sheep. So I'll give out unto God. Because he's a healing God. He'll heal it. That ain't the way it works. Perhaps the reason you have maimed sheep is because you've been withholding from God. The people in Malachi's time were giving God what I call leftovers. They were giving them blind animals, lame animals. They gave God what they wouldn't eat. Or they didn't want. You know what? That whole mentality is alive and well and thriving in the body of Christ today. When we do that. We forfeit God's blessings. In the time of Malachi, they actually brought on his judgment. Because they became a country that was conquered. And then conquered. And then conquered. And then conquered. Over and over and over. And it got so bad and God was so offended by it that he didn't even send a prophet. He sent Malachi... And then for 400 years, didn't say a word. Proverbs 11. 
Verse 24, there is one who scatters and yet increases all the more. And there is one who withholds what is justly due and yet it results in only want. They have it. They want more. They hold on to it. And all they realize is is that they want more and more. When you give it to God, then he pours out his blessings. Because you're saying, I trust you. Jesus used money in the gospel records to show the spiritual condition of people. It was a perfect barometer. And if you're really honest with yourself, is it not true today? It's funny because we make decent money. But God just doesn't understand the cost of living. Oh, I'm sure he does. See, the first fruits is an act of faith. I'm going to give you the best. That's how God wants his children to live. I remember hearing a joke one time. A kid wanted a bicycle for Christmas. He comes to his dad and says, Dad, I really would like to have a bicycle for Christmas. Father looked at his son and he says, Well, son, I would suggest that you pray. Perhaps God will bring you a bicycle for Christmas. So the kid says, God, bring me a bicycle for Christmas. And he says, So why are you yelling so loud? He says, Grandma's in the other room. Ain't that what we do? If we love him, then we believe him. If we believe him, we trust him. If we trust him, we can be thankful from the heart at what he is doing. They gave their best. And they were blessed by the best. The pouring out of blessings. That's the writing of Moses. That's the Old Testament. Now, I I need to show this because that is voluntary giving. I showed you the taxes. Give whatever you want. And that goes for you, every one of you. Give whatever you want and make sure it is generous and make sure it's the best. Let me illustrate it for you. The book of Exodus. Moses has concluded he wants to build a tabernacle for God. God's given him blueprints. This is how I want my tabernacle to look. In Exodus 25, verses 1 and 2, Then the Lord says to Moses, saying, Tell the sons of Israel to raise a contribution for me. From every man, 10%. Nope, that's not what it says. From every man whose heart moves him, you shall raise my contribution. Moses is going to build a tabernacle and it required a special offering. And every man gives willingly with his heart. Whatever they want to give, as long as it is from the heart. He doesn't say you have to give or be struck dead. He doesn't say that. 
God could have given an amount. God could have given a percentage, but he didn't. He says, give me whatever you want from the heart. Okay, this is the Exodus. You got a million and a half people on a camping trip. God is concerned about the heart attitude. You know what's funny is he didn't run around with a chart throughout the nation of Israel saying we've given this much. We need this many. We're right here. Have you given recently for the tabernacle? Didn't give that. There's no charts hanging around the campment. Have you given? No, he says, I want you to give out of a willing heart. Now, I want to show you some things that are amazing to me. Chapter 35 of the book of Exodus, beginning in verse 5. Take from among you a contribution to the Lord. Whoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it as the Lord's contribution. Gold, silver, bronze, Blue, purple, scarlet material, fine linen, goat's hair, ram skins, dyed red, porpoise skins, acacia wood, oil for lighting and spices for anointing oil and for fragrant incense, onyx rocks, setting stones and ephod for the breastplate. But the key is there of a willing heart. Give what you are willing to do. Verse 21, everyone whose heart is stirred in him. And everyone whose spirit moved him came and brought the Lord's contribution for the work of the tent of the meeting and for its service and for the holy garments. Verse 22, then all whose hearts moved them, both men and women came and brought brooches and earrings and signet rings and bracelets and all the articles of gold. So did every man who presented an offering of gold to the Lord. Verse 23, every man who had in his possession blue and purple and scarlet material, fine linen, goat's hair, ram skin, dyed red and porpoise skins, they brought them. Everyone, verse 24, who could make a contribution of silver and bronze brought a Lord's contribution. Every man who was in possession of a Kea wood for any work of service brought it. All the skilled women spun with their hands and brought what they had spun, blue and purple and scarlet material and fine linen. All the women whose heart stirred with a skill spun goat's hair. Verse 29, the Israelites, all the men and women whose hearts were moved to bring material for that work which God had commanded through Moses to be done, brought a free will offering to the Lord. That's how you give. Cain and Abel, offering to the God. Did he say do it? No, but he did say, must be an animal. Abram? He didn't tell him. Noah didn't tell him. It was always voluntary. There was retire. I showed you the requirement for the government. Everyone who wanted to came and gave. And it's the individual heart. It's the individual heart. You know what? Your giving is a direct reflection of your heart. 
Deuteronomy chapter 16, verses 10 and 17. And you shall celebrate the feast of weeks to the Lord your God with a tribute of a freewill offering of your hand. And you shall give just as the Lord your God blesses you. Verse 17, that chapter, every man shall give as he is able. That's proportionate. According to the blessing of the Lord your God, which he has given you. Anybody in this room not been blessed by God? Do I give according to that blessing? You know, it's really amazing about these texts that I gave you. I remember reading, and I shared it with you, out of the 8th chapter of Second Corinthians, where the Macedonians were begging to give more. And I thought, oh, that would freak some people out, wouldn't it? Let me show you something with Exodus. He called for free will giving to build the tabernacle. Okay? Now remember, million and a half conservative number, camping in Sinai. Sinai is not noted for its great KOA campsites. Right? I mean, it's God-forsaken desert. Chapter 36. Verse 4, And all the skillful men who were performing all the work of the sanctuary came, each from the work which he was performing. And they said to Moses, The people are bringing much more than enough for the construction work which the Lord commanded us to perform. Moses issued a command, and a proclamation was circulated through the camp, saying, Let no man or woman any longer perform the work of contributing. To the sanctuary. Thus the people were restrained from bringing any more. They were bringing more than the workers could deal with. They had too much. They were overworking the workers. People, stop giving. That's a serious heart condition right there, people. But you know what? Is that not what God's after? I want your heart attitude. The required is taxation. We all sign up for taxation. We think that's the greatest thing. I get these little envelopes for my motorcycle business once a month. You ain't paid your sales tax. And I just get happy about it. Oh, I forgot. Thrills me right out of my gourd. You know, I sold $72, which means you guys are going to get 81 cents, and I've got to write a check for it. See what I mean? I know what taxes are. You're like, yeah, right on. <laughs> Thought we were fixing that with pot. You don't need my money no more. But there's voluntary. 
And the voluntary is a heart condition that you give whatever you want. You give it whenever you want. And you give it out of a willing heart. I have another one. First Chronicles 29. David knows he can't build the temple. He's got the blueprints. He knows that Solomon's going to do it. So he starts moving the nation of Israel to contribute to the building of the temple. Verses 9 and 10. Then the people rejoiced because they had offered so willingly. I wonder how many Christians today in the United States are rejoicing because they gave to the church. You ever thought about that? I read that and go, wow, cool. Verse 10. So David blessed the Lord inside of all the assembly. And David said, blessed are you, O Lord God of Israel, our fathers forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Indeed, everything that is in heaven and in earth. Yours is the dominion, O Lord. You exalt yourself as head over all. The people were rejoicing at the issue of being able to willingly give to the building of the temple. See, the giving is an act of uh, an action of the heart. It is a willingness from the heart. And it says all gave. Verse 16. O Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have provided to build your house for your holy name. It is from your hand. And all is yours. Verse 17 Since I know, O oh my God, that you try the heart and delight in uprightness, I, in the integrity of my heart, have willingly offered all of these things. So now with joy, I have seen your people who are present here make their offerings willing to the Lord. David prayed. And he was thankful because they had brought so much. Listen, tithing is required. This temple that they built, I've read some of the descriptions of it. Israel is considered divine of God. And they literally took gold leaf and they beat it so it was so thin it was like aluminum foil. And they would hang it over the east wall was a vine on the temple. And they would overlay that vine with that gold. And they said that when the sun would come up on a clear day in the east, you could see the glory of the gleam of that gold as far away as Galilee. This was a massive structure. And the people gave. Tithing is required. It's required giving. It is a taxation. It funds the government. Three tithes basically took care of the government. It is for the salaries and the, the life of the Levites. It is for the religious life of the nation. And it is for the welfare system to help those who could not help themselves. 
Tithes were not gifts to God. They were for the nation. When it comes to God, there is no amount. There is no percentage. It is whatever you want. Whenever you want. And it is from the heart. And it is purely from the heart. It is purely voluntary. And it is purely personal. And the motive of it, thankfulness to God. And I give according to my love for Him. It's that simple. It is that simple. Pay your taxes and give God whatever your heart tells you. What happened in the Old Testament before Moses? Pay your taxes and give to God whatever your heart tells you. What happened in the Old Testament from Moses to Christ? Pay your taxes and give what your heart tells you. How about in the time of Jesus? Same thing. Jesus, creator of existence, paid his taxes. Okay, I can't find biblically where there's a preaching tax. But the nation of Israel was charging a preaching tax. Well, it's not biblical. Why would God pay that tax? Because that's the institution that God ordained. And it said you pay a preaching tax. And gave God your heart. Remember what he said of the Macedonians? They gave to the Lord. Okay? He was first. When you do that, whatever your heart tells you is what you give. And listen, that's it. That is what the issue is. That is the standard. So is it different in the New Testament? You know, Christ is raised and gone to heaven. Now we're in the church age. Jesus said it this way. Render unto Caesar that that is Caesar's. Render unto God that that is God's. Has a whole different view now, doesn't it? When it came to the Macedonians, you don't hear anything about the amount. But I do know they gave out of their poverty. Romans 13 says, pay your taxes. Get in the King James Bible, it says, give tribute to what tribute is due. That's a nice way of saying, give taxes to taxes is due. Pay the required amount. Did you understand that paying your taxes is actually an act before God? Because he ordained the governments. And beyond that, You have free will giving. And it is whatever you want to give. However your heart is moved, you do that. And you know what? We have been blessed. Okay? We are more blessed. We are more blessed than those who built the tabernacle. We are more blessed than those who built the temple. You know why? 
because we get to do it the first day of the week. Weekend and week out. And we should rejoice that we have the ability on the first day of the week, which is Sunday, we get the privilege of giving as our hearts are led. That's 1 Corinthians 16. Listen, the tithe has nothing to do with it. All right? The pattern I show you before Moses, the pattern I show you after Moses, the pattern I show you before the cross, the pattern I show you after the cross, it's all the same. Pay your taxes. God put the governments in place. And as your heart is led, give to God. And ask yourself a simple question. Has he blessed me? Has he blessed me? It's the only thing you got to ask. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for its simplicity. And Lord, I, I thank you for your precious church. Uh, her glory and honor and power throughout the world this day. Father, I pray that your saints will understand that if you never gave us anything but salvation, you have given us more than we would ever, ever deserve. Father, help us to be children who walk faithfully, who walk in the power and the glory of the risen King. And Father, may we just look around, see the spiritual needs of so many, Father, may we be overwhelmed at the amazing things that you have already done. Father, the privileges you've allowed each and every one of us in this congregation to be involved with globally and locally. And Father, may we, as I look at Israel, whether at the time of the temple or Israel at the time of the tabernacle, may we give so much that we have to stop for a while. Help us, Lord, to your glory and praise. Amen.